Are you a podcaster or a future podcaster? Then you should know about Acast. The world's best podcasters work with Acast, including the one you're listening to right now. And anyone can join and start podcasting with us. It's easy. We have everything you need to host and grow your show and share it across every podcast app out there. You know what else? You can make money from it too. Visit acast.com forward slash hosting to find out more and get started for free. Acast, for the stories. Ireland, the land of saints and scholars. The home of Wilde, Beckett, Joyce, Binchy and Doyle. The souls of Swift and Behan still haunt the corners of conversation. Opposed as equally as they are remarkable. Their literary lint lends itself to allow us to stand tall amongst the nations of the world. To allow us to be perceived as gifted with voice before we have ever spoken. To allow us to hold the ears of the world with riddle, wisdom and falsities. But just as they gave us a voice, an image, a character, so too did we allow reality to consume our minds. Over time, we allowed who we are to be infected with the views of those who separate themselves from the lives we live. Our church, our politicians and men in suits decided what was best for us. They decided on the voices we should hear. They decided on the voices to be muted. They decided the lives we should live. They decided the lives which should be hidden behind walls. And all with our blind, willing consent. Is it difficult to imagine the voices they hid? The ones which spoke of the realities of Ireland. What would one of these voices sound like? Come, lend me your ear and please lend me your time. Let us together venture into reality. In the Viking city of Waterford, in 1894, a child was born. Her name was Teresa Devey. Teresa was the youngest of a large merchant family. She was the youngest of 13. Her siblings grew up alongside a successful business built by their father, Edward. The children never wanted for anything. This was all to change, however, as at the age of just three years old, Teresa watched on with confusion as her father was buried. 
Her siblings and mother swarmed the young Teresa with love and support. Things became difficult for the young family, but under the guidance of their mother Mary, they persisted to do the best they could. Mary was a conservative woman, aware of the distinctions of class, and held a faith in the traditions of religion. More importantly for Teresa, Mary was supportive. Teresa was sent to the Ursuline convent in Waterford for her schooling. She was very bright and capable, with a particular liking for English literature. In 1913, she decided to pursue this as a career, and she began to study to become a teacher in University College Dublin. Teresa loved her time in Dublin. The parks, the small cafes, the old buildings, and the friends she made all contributed to a peaceful existence. As time went on, Teresa began to have some issues, however. On occasion, she felt like the room she stood in was spinning, and from time to time she would hear a ringing sound that nobody else could hear. Worried and confused, Teresa went to see a doctor for an explanation. It was here she was told she was suffering from Meniere's disease and was quickly going deaf. In order to try and save her hearing, Teresa moved to Cork to receive treatment in the Cork Ear, Eye and Throat Hospital. Unwilling to give up her future, she transferred to University College Cork to continue her studies while she tried to keep sound in her life. While in Cork, Teresa learned of a course in London which was teaching people how to lip-read. Without a pause for thought, Teresa picked up her bags and left for London in 1914. The London Teresa arrived in would not be recognised by you or I today. Yes, some landmarks were firmly planted in the soil, but in the air, zeppelins flew to protect the city from German bomber planes. Sirens would shrill in the dead of night, warning families to run from their homes and seek shelter as the homes they stood in would soon be reduced to rubble. The amount of young men walking the city streets began to dwindle as their souls were required to lay motionless in the battlefields of Europe. They were to expire in gory, gory, glorious gore. The world had engaged in war. While London looked east, Theresa's heart remained facing west, to Ireland. For it was in her homeland where blood was spilling too. Lives were not being taken due to the disputes between related kings in the name of pride. Lives were being taken in the name of freedom. Freedom for today, tomorrow and all the days which would follow.
Teresa watched from afar as first Dublin announced itself to the world as Pierce, Clerk and Connolly felt the weight of the empire on their throats. She watched on as the women of Ireland marched into the city and pointed rifles at those who do the crown's bidding. She would later listen in amazement to the stories of Barry and Breen fighting under the shriek of bagpipes as farmers, carpenters, poets and artists chased men of horror from their land. It was in the horrors of reality that Teresa discovered beauty. She began attending plays and poetry readings and her mind was opened to the possibilities of words. It was in the theatres of London where Teresa's imagination awoke. It had always been there but lay dormant. And in a Vesuvius-like explosion it was ready to consume her being. As her ability to hear evaporated, Teresa became more determined to be heard. She returned to Ireland in 1919 as the final push for Irish freedom engulfed the island. She began writing plays and stories on the subjects of what she saw. Influenced by the martyrs who perished in the name of Old Ireland, Teresa joined Comin the band of fighting Irish women. In 1930, now completely deaf, Teresa had a play debut in the Abbey Theatre. It was called Reapers and it was set in 1923 at the dusk of the Irish Civil War after brother had shot brother and sister stabbed sister. The script of the play has been lost by time so I cannot take you through its reels. I can however provide you with three pieces of information about what happened during its one week run. The first being, the literary and high class world of Ireland at the time did not approve that this play showed them what Ireland was really like. The play was about two families at war with each other rather than a foreign enemy and how it was the decisions of people they never met who pitted them against each other. those in the audience and their friends. It was for this reason a copy of the script was not requested for the archives. The second thing I can tell you is that the critics were wowed by the play. Its themes, words and displays struck a chord with them all. The things Teresa showed them in her play were things they already knew, but nobody was brave enough to discuss. The third thing about the play I can bring to you is the final line from it. Life must be lived, not simply accepted.
Reapers propelled Teresa into fame. In six years she wrote six plays, all of which the public were eager to see and experience the words she would display to them. This was much to the annoyance of the other playwrights in Ireland at the time. They struggled to accept that Teresa was bringing them the real themes of struggle in Ireland rather than painting the pretty pictures they wanted to pretend they saw here. Teresa had great difficulty with the censors at the time for trying to silence her. She wrote herself, If in Ireland we are not allowed to read of those whose faith differs from ours, if we are not allowed to read any criticism of priests or religious orders, let that be said. But let us have an end to insults, lowering to those who offer them and to the nation that tolerates such practices. Who are the censors? By what right do they hold office? And how, in case of proved incompetence, can they be removed? Teresa's plays were bad for the image of the upper classes. She repeatedly and publicly challenged them. She also publicly shamed her fellow playwrights for separating themselves from the Irish struggle. One of Teresa's most famous plays, entitled The King of Spain's Daughter, told the story of a woman named Annie who stands in front of a sign which reads, Road Closed. As she stands in front of the sign, she discusses two options in life she has. One being to agree to a loveless marriage, the other being a life of drudgery in a factory. In Teresa's play entitled Katie Roach, Teresa challenged the state's view of women. The title character, Katie, is trapped by her limited opportunities in life and is forced to be the domestic property of a man by the state. To place her plays into context, at the time Teresa was writing and exploring her creativity, in 1932 a Fianna Fáil government in Ireland extended the marriage bar law, meaning it was now illegal to employ a married woman. She was only to work in the home under the demands of her husband. In 1941, married women were banned from applying for any local government position. Teresa was a woman ahead of her time. Although the political society did not want to hear her voice due to the realities she spoke, she forced it on them in whatever way she could. After becoming tired with her radical ways, theatres and her peers began to ignore Teresa's work. Even though the plays sold out and made the money, men in suits decided enough was enough. In 1939, she got a contract with the Abbey Theatre for her play Holiday House. However, it was never staged and the play was only bought so it could not be performed anywhere else. 
It was this which effectively ended her career as a playwright and her name was removed from the lists of the greats. Teresa, although deaf now, began writing for radio and performing audio versions of her plays. During her time in Dublin, Teresa lived with her sister Nell, who helped her with lip reading. When Nell died, Teresa moved back home to Waterford and spent her evenings cycling around the city on her high Nelly bike. Soon after she returned to Waterford, she became ill and in 1963, Teresa passed away. Fifty years after her death, the Mint Theatre Company in New York brought Teresa's voice for the women of Ireland back as they announced the Teresa Devi project. They have since restaged four of her plays. The music for this episode was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan is Anam Dum. Gurav Mahagut, Slonanish. Are you a podcaster or a future podcaster? Then you should know about Acast. The world's best podcasters work with Acast, including the one you're listening to right now. And anyone can join and start podcasting with us. It's easy. We have everything you need to host and grow your show and share it across every podcast app out there. You know what else? You can make money from it too. Visit acast.com forward slash hosting to find out more and get started for free. Acast, for the stories.